0: And in in regards to our prayer, your relationship is everything in prayer. And we're going to hopefully see that today in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, turn there. If you've got a phone or an iPad, open up to Matthew chapter 6. Next week, we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about fasting next week. (laughs) All right. Fasting is fun when you know what it's about. If you don't don't understand that it's about connecting with God, drawing close to the Lord, it'll be grueling, and it's not fun. But when you see it as as, uh, feasting, you're giving up food, but you're feasting on Jesus. When you understand that, it it changes your perspective. So we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. Priority of relationship today, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin to read in, in, uh, in verse 5. When you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And Let me just say that this is not saying that we should not gather together and we should not pray together. There's something that is uh, powerful that transpires, and I want you to understand that when the people of God come together, when we worship together and when we pray, there is something powerful that transpires and, and it, um, it's impacting in our lives. It, it, it shifts things in our lives oftentimes. How, how many of you can, can say, I, 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 I've experienced that? I've been to church and in worship and in prayer, something shifted, changed. I mean, absolute life transformation occurred in my life, standing together with about 1,200 people worshiping Jesus. There's something powerful about coming together to to worship. So it's not a discouragement to worship. It is, in this this verse that we just read, it's the the discouragement of striving to look holy, putting on a, a spiritual performance that's really void of relationship with God that's rooted in religion. We talked last week about that, about how, that, that prayer is not just some religious exchange, that there's a, re- a relational element, a, re- a relational exchange that, that is central to, to prayer. And we talked about that last week. All right, verse 6. Verse 6, it says, but, when you, but, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father. Pray to your Father. That's relational terminology there, right? When we pray... We pray to the Father, amen. We talked last week, we don't pray to saints, we don't pray to Jude, we don't pray through Mary, we don't pray through uh, in, in any of the saints. By the way, you are a saint. How many of you knew that? If you're born again, you're a saint of God. You don't have to be canonized to be a saint. You don't have to be uh, somebody who, they, you know, we, we have to let you die and then prove that you did a miracle, notable miracle, for you to be a saint. If you are a child of God, you are a saint, right? Right? And so we, we, and we don't. We don't pray through saints. We pray through Jesus. The Bible says there's one mediator, and it's, it ain't Mary. Right? She was an honorable lady. Right? It's not Jude. It's not, you name, name the favorite saint. We don't pray through Francis. Right? We don't, don't pray through the saints. We pray through Jesus. When you pray, you say, in the name of? Jesus, right? How many of y'all, when you pray, you say that? You realize what you're doing? You're, you're praying in the authority of Jesus Christ. Because of the work of the cross, what he has done, because of the atonement of his blood, we can approach the throne of God boldly, right? Through our mediator, Jesus Christ. We have access to the Father. So pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you Openly, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I want to talk to us today about prayer. Sadly, most Christians neglect prayer. Most Christians don't have a healthy Prayer life. It's sad. Most of our prayer is uh, religious. Most of our prayer is routine. Think about it. That's that's just uh, we we've done I think we did this exercise last year, but just again I ask you just to allow allow the Holy Spirit to shine a light in your heart for just a second and do an examination. Not a self-examination, but an examination by the Holy Spirit revealing to you, opening your eyes so you can understand some things and so you can grow just ask yourself this simple question and allow the holy spirit to shine the light show the truth do you spend more time praying at church than you do in your weekly routine if some of us i'm not going to try to put a percentage of maybe it may just be one person in the building or a few of us but if we were honest with ourselves we would say you know what that's a reality Most of my prayer time happens when I'm with a group of friends, when I'm at church. And other than that, prayer doesn't happen much in my life. Think about that. When I was in junior high school, I remember in in football, every, every football game we would kneel down before the game would start and we would pray the Lord's Prayer. Right? As a group, we would all pray that prayer. And you know what it was? It was a vain exercise for the most part. There, there may have been a few individuals on the football team that had their hearts in it and that prayed it with sincerity, but for the most part, it was a vain ritual because I, coming out of that prayer, it's, I mean, seconds after breaking that, that huddle of prayer, the, the, the vulgarity that was spewed out of our mouths And sometimes even I I remember we hadn't even gotten up from the the prayer and won't even even say what was said, but I remember something said, I mean, as we're still kind of in that mode of prayer, something profane coming out of someone's mouth, right? Vain routine, which prayer was never intended to be. Prayer, as I said, is a, a relational exchange. It's us simply... Simplest terms, it's us having a conversation with our Heavenly Father. That, that's what really what, what prayer is about. It, it is a relational thing, our Father, right? Pray to your Father. And uh, before, I, I want to talk uh, and dig, dig into this about how prayer affects our relationships and how our relationship affects our prayer. I want to I dig into that in, in just a minute. But I want, I want to highlight verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this, in, in my, just personally speaking, in my prayer life, this is something that has kind of been illuminated to me. This thing of praying God's will praying the kingdom. Because, I don't know about you, but most oftentimes I find that when I go into prayer, I usually already have a preset. I, I already have my mind made up about certain things. I've already made some determinations. I've made determinations about how situations and circumstances should play out. I've made determinations about who I am and what I need. And a lot of times we lack the humility of this verse, your your kingdom come, your will be done. And instead of praying that we go in and we pray our agenda. Prayer is the place where heaven's agenda is discerned. Prayer is a place where God shifts in us and we surrender our will we surrender our agenda, we discern, receive, and activate the agenda of heaven in our life. Does that make sense? I I believe this, if we would approach prayer with that kind of an attitude, our outcomes in life would be totally different. We would go into situations and circumstances with a totally different approach. If If we have prayed and received heaven's perspective about a situation about a circumstance about a relationship about opportunities that we have in life see we we need to go into prayer this is one of the beautiful things i say this a lot but the, the one thing that satan one of the things i think that satan hates about our prayer life is that it gives us uh heaven's perspective that's why he doesn't want us to pray so we're stuck in our little pea brain perspe- perspectives, looking at situations and circumstances. And our perspectives are frustrating those situations and circumstances. But if we can humble ourselves and, and truly go into prayer seeking the will of God, seeking the purposes of God, seeking heaven's agenda, we come out of that prayer transformed, changed with new perspective, fresh perspective. And we approach everything in life a different way. Does that make sense? How many of you will acknowledge you have a pea brain? Anybody besides me? How many will acknowledge that your perspectives are very limiting? The way you perceive circumstances, the way you perceive people, very limited, right? How many of you know God sees it all? You know, God's omniscient. He knows all, understands all. And so if we can have a conversation with God about it and see what he's seeing that we're lacking, it will transform the way that we live our lives. It's something I'm working on. I'm not saying I've mastered this. It's something that's come to to, to light to me that that oftentimes I go into the prayer room with an agenda that I want to get accomplished. Instead of going to the prayer room with that opposite approach saying, God, what, what is your purpose in this? I'm going through a really tight spot here. I'm going through some struggles. This is a challenging thing that's going on in my life now. What are you trying to do through this? Instead of approaching like, hey, God, will you bail me out of this? This this isn't fun. Will you stop it? Right? That's usually how we approach things in prayer. It's a different perspective when we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, I, I don't like this situation, Lord, but what are you trying to do in this? Right? That, that will change our prayer life if we'll begin to approach the Lord like that. All right, so let's, let's dive into this. The priority of relationship. We're talking about the priority of a relationship in our prayer life. All right? It's the effects of prayer in relationships and the effects of relationships in your prayer. How many of you recognize that your relationships in life affect your prayer. Amen. Let's not raise hands, but when we did that little exercise a minute ago, did you realize that you don't have a very strong prayer life? Anybody? Don't don't raise your hand. You don't have to. Just ask him the question. I think a lot of times that the, the, the reason that we don't pray we don't have this relationship with God. It's because of things that are sideways in relationships here on planet Earth. Have you ever felt you, you, you're, you're thinking about someone, you're thinking about the way that you relate to someone? Have you ever heard, felt, had a, had a dirty feeling? Just be honest. When you realize that you were gossiping and slandering someone. When you realize that you were holding unforgiveness in your heart towards someone. When you realize that you were harboring a whole lot of anger in your heart towards someone. Have you ever felt that dirty feeling? Or am I I the only one? Right? We've got to realize that our relationships here on planet earth will have an effect on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're going to see that as as we go through this message today. Let's look at a few scriptures. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Any wives here today? If you're a wife, raise your hand. I want all, I want all of you wives to say thank you, Pastor Chad. You're welcome. This one's for you. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands... Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands and wives, you are heirs together of the grace of God. The things that we appropriate from heaven are appropriated together. Life is better when Chad and Rachel Hayes are walking together in unity. Life is better when we are on the same page. We can't be defeated when we're walking in unity. We are victorious when we have unity. My, my wife and I are a good team. We work well together. I, I believe that the anointing of my life, the ministry that God has given me, is enhanced when I'm walking in harmony with my wife. There are things that I will not be able to accomplish without harmony in relationship with my wife. We are heirs together of the grace of God. That's the design of God. That is true in every marriage. That's not special because I'm a pastor. That's true of all of us. Your families are stronger, your vocation will be stronger, you'll flourish in your vocation. Raising children will go better. When you're living in harmony with your, with your wife, husbands, honor your, your wife. Right? That's what this, this verse is encouraging us to do, to walk in honor. My, my wife and I, we, we, we do pretty good together. We have a, a, a very healthy marriage. Can't say that it's with, not without challenges, that it, we haven't seen our struggles. I'm not telling you that we have never been in an argument. I heard a pastor say that one time. He said this. He said, I've never been laid on a payment, and I've never had an argument with my wife. My first thought was, there's a guy who can't help me. He hadn't had any trouble in life. So we do, we do pretty good in marriage. But th- this week, uh, my wife and I, we spent some time together. We were working through some things. We were praying about some things. We were talking about some things. That conversation got a little frustrated for both of us. On On day one of this, this little project, on day, day two, we got breakthrough. God shifted. And I, the way I'm looking at it, I think God shifted in my heart, God shifted in our heart. God moved some things and allowed us, I think, for how, however to get some understanding on some things. We, we had a conversation on day two of this little project. I felt something change in our marriage. I, feel, I felt breakthrough in my marriage. I think we're on new ground. We're in new territory. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When, when I was in high school, I, w- I was a wide receiver in high school I had a quarterback. He was a junior. I was a senior. And we, we spent an entire year working together almost every single day. And we, we had a harmony. We had chemistry. We, we, we didn't really have to communicate much. We had a number system. He, he would shout numbers out to me, and I knew what he wanted me to do. We had all of our routes, the, the route tree Curls and posts and all the, the, the fade routes and the streaks and all these different uh, routes. We had a number system, and he could shout a number to me. I knew exactly what to do. Every route that I ran, I had the footwork worked out. I knew exactly how many steps to take before I would break. Right? We, we were in harmony together. We worked on this. We, he, he lived in the neighborhood right behind us. And he would walk over, we had a couple of acres there where we lived, and out in in my parents' front yard, we would run routes every single day. And I knew that whenever I would make my cut and turn and look, the ball would be there. We had that kind of harmony, right? Relational harmony. It takes effort, it takes work, right? That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that word endeavor that means work you've got to work to have harmony and peace right it takes a lot of effort my wife and i are pretty intentional about trying to work through things when we're realizing there's not harmony we're not seeing things eye to eye we're not whatever it might be we're not on the same page we have to work through to get to the place of harmony right Peter says, husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And then he says, that your prayers be not hindered. I believe this. If I don't treat that lady well, there's a block in the communication channel between Chad Hayes and the Lord God Almighty. Right, and I don't think it stops with just my wife. If I'm if I'm not treating people well, if I'm abusing people, if I'm angry at folks, if I'm holding unforgiveness in my heart, if if I'm manipulating folks, if if I'm holding offense towards somebody it puts a block in my ability to communicate with god and listen there's no problem on god's end god's communication system never fails right the block is right here right how many of you have ever had a relationship and you weren't acting right towards somebody, think about this, how did that affect communication between you and that person? Right? The position of our heart, the humility of our heart, the integrity of our heart towards people affects our communication. Right? And it's true this way as well. Our earthly relationships affect our relationship with our Heavenly Father much more than you have ever been aware of. Do you know that? A lot of what's going on here affects your ability. To go here, let's look at this. Matthew chapter five. Just back in the media booth, so you know I've changed translations since we created the slides. So uh, they'll put King James up, but I'm going to use a New Living Translation here. I'm going to begin in verse 21. You you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Verse twenty-two. But I say unto you: If you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of hell, uh, of the fires of hell. So if you were presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, check this out, Leave, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversaries, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. So what's happening here? This is Jesus, right? And, and by the way, this is Matthew chapter 5, our text that we read about prayer. It was in Matthew chapter 6. This is all a part of one sermon that Jesus preached, right? This, this stuff all goes together. This is one of Jesus' sermons. And by the way, how many of you think what Jesus said is pretty important? What, what does this mean to us? What he's saying, if if you come to the temple to offer an offering, to bring a sacrifice, and you remember that there's something between you and a brother, before you offer that sacrifice, go and make that right and pick on Brother Bobby. If I come to church to preach, but I, I, I know I've been having feelings towards Brother Bobby, which I haven't. How can you have feelings towards Brother Bobby? That's why I picked him. He's such an awesome guy. Maybe I said some things to Brother Bobby, which I didn't, that I shouldn't have said. Before I come up here to preach, I need to go make it right. How about this? Before I can lift my hands, I need to go make it right. Before I start singing the chorus, I need to go put it right. Before I try to do service before the Lord, I need to go make it right. Because we don't do animal sacrifices anymore, right? Jesus is talking back in the days of the temple. What's the point here? The, The point is that my relationships here on earth affect my relationship with my heavenly father. See, our, our relationships are indicators. If there's offense in our heart, if there's anger in our heart, if, if there's unforgiveness in our heart, if there's greed, covetousness, whatever it is, some kind of feelings towards another brother, towards a sister, it's an indication, really, of the condition of our heart. How many of you have been offended? All right. How many of you have I offended? Don't, don't, don't be quick to answer that one. All right. <laughs> we we get offended. Why do we get offended? We like it our way. That's really good. That see that so that goes back to the first point I made today. If we start praying, Your Your Kingdom come, Your will be done. It ain't about my way no more. Frustration and anger are, are, are uh, indications that we have put hope into something and we've been disappointed, right? I expected Brother Bobby to come pick me up. He didn't show up, and I got frustrated. I went to ask somebody to borrow money. They didn't give it to me, so I got mad, right? We're expecting someone to treat us a certain way. They don't treat us that way. We get angry about it, right? Heart conditions, right? And we, we're going to get offended. We're going to be angry. We're going to experience all of these things in life. But you look, think, and, and we're going to talk a lot about this really for the, next, the rest of this year. Think about the teaching of Jesus and how much, he's, how much time he spends on how we relate to each other. Think about all the teachings. Turning the other cheek. Forgiving seven times. Seven. Go through all of the teaching of Jesus. How much time does Jesus talk about the way that we're relating to each other? Right? Brother Bobby said this last Sunday. How, 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 what's the identification? How do we know that we belong to God? What did Jesus say? Because of your love for one another. When we're not loving each other, something's not right. When when our hearts aren't governed by the love of God and we're not relating to each other with that kind of love, something's not right in our heart, and really it's indication that this is messed up. When things are messed up in our relationships here, it's an indicator that something is not right here, Right? Long before you ever start pe- treating people like trash, you have severed communication with God. Whenever things go awry in our life, whenever we get into sinful behavior, whatever it is, it's, it's a sign that, 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 the, that the communication between our, ourselves and our Father is off. It's missing. It's an indicator to us. It really is. You remember when, when David was up on the rooftops? When he should have been out in battle? And that, that wasn't just an, uh, uh, an accidental thing. David knew what he was doing going up on the rooftop. He went up on the rooftop looking for a pretty lady. Right? Because it was, it was a time when he should have been out to battle, but instead he was up on the rooftop. But long, and so David is in this in this place on the rooftop. He's in a place of towards his his calling. He, this man is called to be the king of Israel, right, by by God Almighty. So he is disengaged in his calling. He's 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 apathetic towards the things of God. God set him in that place, and and he he has become half-hearted about what God's called him to do. He's complacent, right? But long before we ever become complacent in our calling, you know what has to happen? We become distant in our relationship with God. There are preachers who keep preaching, but they have no relationship with God. And then you know what happens? They end up having an affair. They end up stealing money. All the, you know, these scandalous things that happen. Long before the scandal, there was a disconnect in their relationship with God. Communication with God is key. Prayer changes us. Right? Not, not when we go to pray with selfish motives. Not when we go in there trying to advance our agenda. But when we have a prayer Life that says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm humbling myself. I'm submitting to you. Right? I know Brother Bobby ain't treating me right, but Lord, what do I need to learn in this situation? A friend of mine, his name's Alan Claypool. Some of you all have, have gotten to know him, but Alan taught me this in, in relationship. He, he, he taught me to ask this question Crave what you're missing. Next time your wife is upset with you, crave what you're missing. You know what we do instead of doing that? We think about how we're gonna prove we're right to our wives. Right? Anybody get a witness here on this one? How am I gonna convince her to see it from my perspective? That's that's our normal approach in any relationship. But what if we start saying, What am I missing here? What if we go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, what am I missing? Because a lot of times we find out that I'm upset with Bobby because he's acting a certain way. But the reason he's acting a certain way is because of what I did last week. Right? And we're actually at fault. The whole reason the relationship got sideways was my fault. And I'm blaming Brother Bobby. That's what we do prayer will shift that in us if we're willing to pray those prayers i keep calling them the the searchlight prayers that says lord search my heart right as a husband as a pastor as a person in life that has all kinds of conflict all kinds of struggles all kinds of challenges in this life just like you do i have to learn to pray that kind of prayer lord Why do I keep ending up in this mess? Why do we keep getting these results? Why are these things happening? Is there something that I'm missing that you want me to see? And if we'll pray that way, again, different outcomes. Different outcomes. So think about this, if you come to the altar to offer a gift and you remember that there's something wrong, what do you do? Lord, show me how to prove to this person that I am right and they are wrong. Here's the favorite, the most spiritual prayer. Vindicate me, Lord. Right? Vindicate me. What do you mean vindicate you? You've been gossiping about that person for the last three years and they found out and they're mad at you and you want to be vindicated. Right? Think about it. This is the way we pray so often. Instead of turning and saying, Lord, show me what's going on in this wicked, deceitful heart. Of mine. You do realize, yes, you are Christians, and yes, you are full of the Holy Ghost, and also you have a body of flesh that you're walking around, and you have a crooked heart, right? So that I saw some folks wearing t-shirts that said, follow your heart. Burn that t-shirt. You follow that heart, you're gonna end up over the cliff. Right? Follow the Holy Ghost. And you know what the Holy Ghost would do? It'll make you go apologize. It'll make you ask for forgiveness. It'll make you humble yourself, right? We're talking about prayer and relationships. How are we relating to people? We need to constantly be working to maintain and restore relationships. Right? That word Endeavor. Endeavor, Ephesians 4.1. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I have three boys. The Hayes family, Rachel, how many road trips has the Hayes family been on in our lifetime? Too many. You know what it's like taking a road trip with three teenage boys in the car? Now, I gotta admit, the devices, the iPads, and the phones, that helps a little bit. Now, how many know when you got three teenagers... You know what we got to do? We got to work to have unity. I have to work to have unity in my marriage. We have to work to have unity in the church. It does not come naturally. We have to work for it because you got as much flesh as I got. Right? You've got a deceitful heart just like I do. You've got motives just like I do. You've got agendas just like I do. You've got ego just like I do. And it will jack our relationships up. And so we have to work to live our lives to the spirit. Right? It takes a lot of work to surrender. How many of you can say amen to that? Surrender is not easy. Doing it his way instead of your way is not easy. It takes work. It takes work. We need to constantly be working to maintain and restore relationships. Let, let's look at a few verses here and we're going to be done. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. How many of you want peace with God? All right, then how, how many of y'all want peace in those relationships? Now you think about your adversary. Get him in your mind. Think about your adversary. How much peace do you want with your adversary? Like maybe, maybe you have an adversary here at church. Do you want peace, or are you, are you just content to hold the grudge? Somebody said oh, there's, only, there's t- only two creatures that God made with a crawl, chickens and people. Chickens use theirs to digest their food, and humans hold, use theirs to hold grudges. Alright, so exercise, painful exercise. Y'all y'all thought y'all were gonna come to church and just be blessed and entertained and made comfortable. And here's your pets that are agitating you. Get your adversary in your mind. Who's standing between you and what you want? Do you want peace with that person? You'll never truly have peace with God until you get peace with that person. That's a heavy truth. Go back to our text. If you refuse to forgive them, how do you expect your father to forgive you? Think about it. Think about it. All right, peace. Here we go. Finally, brethren. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Look at your spouse and say, be perfect. All right. What does that word perfect mean? It's a catartizo uh, is the word there, and it means to mend, to repair. Get mended. Get repair. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. These are, these, and these are all in terms of relation. He's talking to the Corinthians. He said, be perfect, be mended, all the wounds, all the chasms, all the divides, be perfect, mend those divides, repair the wounds, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, live in peace. And the God of love, and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, guys, that's all right. You right. Don't, don't get nervous here. You know what that is? It's actually, so I don't, and I don't know how true this is, but somebody from a Jewish background told me this, that, that, that terminology, holy kiss, you go and grab a, grab a guy like that, and you don't pull hard. You just kind of give him a little tug. And apparently in Jewish culture, that's a holy kiss. Somebody told me that that's what it means. It's like a, an affectionate, thing that a guy walks up and it's a holy kiss. It's a relational gesture. So maybe that's inaccurate. I don't know, but that's what I was told. But th- 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 this is a holy kiss. This is a relational gesture, right? Think about that. How, how are we relating to each other? Are you greeting folks with a holy kiss or a carnal diss? Oh, there he is. I'm going that way. How many of y'all, anybody ever done that to you in the restaurant? How are we as Christians relating to each other? And how do we think we can do the, holy, or the, the carnal diss stuff and think we're, we're good with God? Treating people like crumbs and we think we got this okay, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Next verse, Philippians chapter 4. I want to set this verse up this way. When you find joy in prayer, your prayer life is going to be transformed. You know why you don't pray? Because you're just content to hold unforgiveness in your heart. You know why you don't pray? You're content to do it your way. You know why you don't pray? Because you and fear have some kind of weird relationship. For some reason, you loved anxious. For some reason, you don't want to let go of the anxiety. Right? That's part of the reason we don't have a good prayer life. We're content to hold on to these things. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. These weird relationships that we have with all of these emotions that we aren't supposed to be engaged to keep us from praying. Right? As soon as we get, make up our mind, we're, we're done with anxiety, we will go and pray. I'm tired of the anger, I'm going to go pray. I'm tired of the resentment, I'm going to go pray. Right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and give Him and, and, and thank Him for all that He has done. And then look at verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many of you want peace? All right, last one. I want to go back and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, but I want to look at it in the ESV. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's stand together. Here's what I want to do. In light of everything that I've just taught, I want to just go back through and I want to read through our text. And I hope... that the truth of the scripture will illuminate. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows that the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, and if you know this prayer, let's pray this sincerely. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever amen and then jesus goes on to say for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the work of Calvary. The back of the enemy was broken at Calvary. The stronghold over our lives was broken at Calvary. We don't have to be gripped by sin. We don't have to be an offended people. We don't have to harbor resentment, anger, unforgiveness, offense. We don't have to strive, we don't have to be jealous, we don't have to covet. Because you have procured absolute and complete victory in every area of our lives. The war is over. The chasm has been spanned. Because of the blood of Jesus, the gap between us and you has been closed. Lord, I thank you that because of the cross of Calvary, we can have peace with you. And Lord, that means we can have peace in our camp. Lord, teach us to walk the way you desire us to walk. Lord, that we would walk in love, that we would walk in humility, that we would prefer our brother before ourself, Father, I thank you for liberty that's coming to people's lives today. I thank you for restoration and relationships. Father, we lift our marriages up before you. Lord, strengthen every single marriage in this house today. Lord, I pray that the communication lines, Lord, we, we, we wanna allow your spirit to come and blow them out. All the crud that's built up, blow it out all the hurt feelings, all of the resentment, all of the bitterness, all of the sharp words. Father, let us forgive as we've received your forgiveness. Father, I pray for every relationship in this house, Lord God. I thank you for this church family. Lord, I declare right now in the name of Jesus, we are people who are washed in the blood. Let there be no schism in this house. Let there be no divide. Lord, that we would strive to be at peace with every man. That when offenses come, we would be gracious and quick to forgive, and that we would move to make sure that nothing comes between our brother and ourselves. Lord, give us free communication with respect, with honor, treating one another with great dignity and value and worth. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Listen, if you were able to picture someone a minute ago, maybe they're here in this church or maybe it's a family member or somebody out at work or whatever, release them right now. Father, we give it up. The battle's over. We lay down our arms, we lay down our defenses. Listen, church, if somebody has wronged you, you don't have to defend yourself. Take trust and hope that Jesus is your defender. Father, we release the hurt. We release all the wounding to you. In Jesus' name, would you come and apply the the balm to our hearts, your healing salve. Lord, may we be overwhelmed with grace, with peace, with joy. Father, change the way that we look at each other. Change the way that we speak to one another. Change the way that we treat one another. may we treat everyone that we encounter with the same love, grace, and honor that you have treated us with. May we value every human as your child and your creation. Father, I thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, I don't want you to leave this place today without knowing him. If there is a chasm, a great canyon between you and God, today's the day. Jesus has closed the gap. He's done everything that needs to be done for your salvation. There's forgiveness to be received. There's mercy. There's grace. Yep, you've done done plenty of bad stuff, all that kind of, hey, me too. I thank God that it's not about my good works or your good works, it's about the work of Jesus and what he did at the cross. Amen. Let's just dispel the idea that your good works are going to get you in. Jesus said, your good works are filthy rags. I'll paint a more vivid picture. In, In Bible days, they did not have the women hygiene products that we have today. They used rags. And that's what Jesus was referring to. Your righteousness... Jesus, compared to the menstrual garments. It's not our righteousness. It's his. My hope is in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, run to the altar. Come. There's nothing standing between you and God except for your surrender. Come to the altar today if you need Jesus. Amen. Love each and every one of you. Deeply, deeply love you. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Listen, I think, let's do this as I dismiss you. If you love the Lord, give him some praise. Amen. If you're thankful for his forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen. Amen. Amen. Listen, we love you. I haven't said this in a long time and I wanna say it. If you're going through something, don't go through it alone. Don't, don't go to the hospital and not let us know. If your kids are in a crisis, don't go through that. Let us know, we're here, we wanna pray for you, we wanna do what we can to minister to you. So, so let us know, don't walk alone. Amen. And I can discern some things, but not all things. Don't expect me to read your mind. Don't expect me to have some kind of Holy Ghost interpretation that you're going through it and they get mad at me because I didn't get the interpretation. You got it? Just let us know. We're here and we love you guys. We want to be here to minister to you. Amen. God bless you.